So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the first riot of the Luddites. Then on Tuesday, we unearthed the mad coincidence of the day two different Dennis the Menaces made their comic strip debuts. On Wednesday, the day the Spanish conquered the last Maya kingdom. Thursday was the day Colonel Sanders sued KFC. And on Friday, we recall how Vincent van Gogh's sister-in-law made his name. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the fourth best F1 podcast on the internet. Sorry, the third best. Wait, yeah, all right, it's the fifth best. I don't understand why the one in front doesn't just let us pass to make us the second best. He's ruining his own podcast. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that has a much nicer message for Charlie Whiting. Just sweet, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the whining Ferrari driver of F1 podcasts. It could be any driver who's ever driven for Ferrari. Could be any of us as well. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that salutes whoever writes the motivational messages at the side of F1 tracks. This week's was We Miss Rodriguez Brothers. It's a good 45 years since the last Rodriguez brother died. I think it's a little bit late to start saying... But Unchained Melody is such a great song. I'm Chica Ayres, and today, from the Picturehouse Central in Piccadilly, we look back at the Mexican Grand Prix. So last weekend, we saw 71 laps, 17 corners, a racetrack that is multi-use, Justin Bieber's coming to play, very soon, and we saw how ruthless Verstappen can be, how bad Vettel's language can be, and how slow the new rules take to come into place. Can we really fit all that in? Ay caramba! Yes. With me is a man who stared at the screen for too long trying to work out what he's done this week and subsequently realised he did nothing. It's Terry Saunders. I just, I've done nothing since we last met. You must have done something. It has only been about three days. But, I mean, I put some shelves up yesterday. Oh, I tried to save a bee. Oh, is this on your 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 now running long running theme of saving things? Yeah. Well, after last week's story about heroically saving two children in a nine 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 Michael Burke esque escapade. Dun dun dun. Da da dun da da Wasting all the worlds. Uh, my wife brought a bee home. You know, we 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 have an open thing, so she just brings up home bees. It's fine. No, she there was a bee that was like dying, and she brought it back. Oh. Isn't this the time of year that this happens? So Apparently not all bees die at winter. So if you see a dying okay. bee in the street, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bee that should be dying. Right. It could just be a ill bee. So, so, we, so we put it in some... She put some honey in front of it. So she, and the little thing started eating honey and it was great. Then we Googled it and it said, don't feed them honey. <laughs> <laughs> and then I put it in a little room to kind of warm up and there was toxic food. And it, it kind of died. I think I killed it. Anyway, so that's... that. Yeah, sorry. And alongside him is a motoring journalist who has aching but impressive thighs. 
I didn't write that. <laughs> you they wrote are. That. I wrote that. They're very impressive, Phil. <laughs> very kind of you both to say. Yeah, they are hugely impressive. Yeah, and no, I've been uh, I've been on my bike again. I've probably got into this biking lark. Thought I'd get into it early with Tokyo 2020 coming up, although I've maybe left it a little bit late to start. But yeah, well, I climbed, a, I think is one of the biggest hills in Sussex this weekend, Ditchling Beacon. Planned out a nice big route that would take me up this big mountain, and I did it on the map. I thought, this is going to be great. And it was only when I started on the route and, and got to the start of the, the big climb that I realised that the route I was taken was entirely off-road and I have a road bike. Ooh. Well done. <laughs> Thank you for that large round of indifference. <laughs> right, let's start with the stories that you've been talking about in this Listener's Corner. So first of all, it was Rotary Gate a few weeks ago, but now it is Watchgate. Leighton Brown said, just a quick word regarding Phil's recent horological infatuation. The watch which he desires is a legendary model desired by many thousands of people the world over, including me, minus you this week. I am also one of the watch snobs to whom Phil referred, as I believe there are more wise ways of spending four and a half grand on a watch, but that is to overlook the history, heritage and story of the Monaco. You buy with your heart, not your head. Anyway, my point is this. Terry, you accused Phil of displaying the signs of a midlife crisis by coveting such a piece of exquisite Swiss engineering and precision. You have fucking blue hair. So, Phil is the one having a midlife crisis. Don't make me stoffle ruffle. Well, two points in reply to that. Firstly, Cheeky, I don't know if you just passed me the uh, Savlon. I appear to have just been horrifically burned. <laughs> and secondly, well done, Leighton, for using stoffle ruffle in the correct manner. Um, we'll, we'll get the, the OED soon. Now, how can we say this? Um, I do have blue fucking hair, and I, I can't deny that's not some kind of midlife crisis thing. But, you know. No, I could take my expensive watch off. Well, I can take my hair off. Moving on to the race, we asked the Facebook Massive, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake, what they took away from Mexico. Joppa from Amsterdam, a self-confessed Max Verstappen glory hunter, says, I think Max deserved a penalty. Either give up position or five seconds of added time. But my question to you guys is, wasn't Max in his right to stay in position until the stewards made their decision? The entire internet seems to go mad over the fact that he should have given up his position. But to my knowledge, you don't have to until it's called for by the FIA. Correct. But basically, oh, hang on. It feels actually got the rules here. 27.4. Should a car leave the track, the driver may rejoin. However, they may only be done when it's safe to do so without gaining any lasting advantage. At the absolute discretion of the FIA director, a driver may be given the opportunity to give back a whole of any advantage he gained by leaving the track. Which is a little bit... I, I wouldn't take a definite from that, but it does seem to suggest that, yeah, they could just say you've got to give that place back. Well, I think didn't the it didn't his engineer say you should probably give that back because yeah, you're but his engineer isn't the FIA. Yeah, so he said you should probably give that place back. It depends Verstappen, if his engineer was told by the FIA to tell him which that. he wasn't. He was definitely yeah. that was we think you're going to get a penalty for this, so you better give it back. Verstappen. Like all racing drivers thought, well, I don't have to, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to carry on. And then he got a penalty for it. It was pretty obvious that he was going to get a penalty, so his engineer was right. But, you know, he ignored, he's a 19-year-old who ignores parental advice. But do you think he was right to ignore it until he, should he have not had some sort of give that place back? I think they should have said to him again, Max, grow up, would stop your pocket money <laughs> if you don't give that place back. Do you want that PlayStation? 
Simon Billington said, I don't care who was the most deserving of third place, just glad there was some excitement. Think of the tedium Perez had to face. 50 laps stuck behind Massa. This is my home race. This is going to be such a great race. The fans all love me. Every time there's a shot to the crowd, it's like, go Perez! And I'm going to be stuck behind Williams for the whole race. Because if I was Perez, I would have actually dropped back and maybe just done an emergency pit stop just to not make it look as embarrassing that I'm stuck behind him the whole race. Even the crowd were going, oh... It reminded me of that race in Abu Dhabi a few years back where Alonso was stuck behind Petrov for the entire race. And partly as a result of that, we ended up with DRS rules, didn't we? Yeah. So I'm wondering now, after this, if we're going to have double DRS, where like there's another like the, the cockpit opens up on the straights to aid further overtaking to stop this happening again. It'll probably be the car in front will have to have more wing. Whilst the car behind has less wing. Car in front literally has... You know when, when there's cranes in the street uh, you know, doing building work and they have those legs that come out and plant onto the ground? Yes. The car in front will have to have those going down the straight. Or there'll be tunnels. Und- literally deploy anchors. There'll be undertaking tunnels where you go under the tunnel and you pop up in front of the It'll car. It'll be like Rallycross. You know in Rallycross, when they do laps and uh, there's like, every race they have to take the shortcut once and they can choose when they want to do it. Maybe oh. something like that. Was, wasn't that something that... But we're turning into Bernie Eccleston. I'm sure he came up with Some of these ideas idea. are great. <laughs> Maybe Bernie was onto something. Full one shit. <laughs> Mark Stokes said, from now on, Vettel's radio gets left on. I mean, I can understand Vettel's frustration with the world. You know, he's not the f- he's four times world champion, and now he's looking pretty ordinary. And to be honest, just this morning, my mouse wouldn't connect to my computer, and I told it to fuck off. But to be fair, my mouse isn't broadcasting that to seven million people. I your mouse isn't Charlie Whiting. My I know what. Charlie you call your mouse Herbie Blash. Herbie Blash is a dodgy-looking bloke in the podium room, isn't he? He just looks like he's trying to sell everyone a car. I mean, yes, okay, I, I'm torn. On one side, Vettel's radio should be left on because it's massively entertaining. On the other side, you just want to say to him, just, just run it in your helmet. Don't press that button behind the steering wheel. That's all. Just don't press it. Every now and again, I think it was, a, again, at Abu Dhabi a few years ago, they had that camera at Vettel's cockpit that just looked into his eyes when they had the clear that would be great. The clear visor. I think they should just cut to that and just see him sort of mm-hmm. eyes popping out with rage, but maybe not hear anything. Because it's supposed to be a family-friendly uh, sport. Well, they beeped it. It's fine. And it, well, it, I mean, he told Charlie to fuck off. I'm pretty confident that he called uh, the Sapper Nakund. I was interested how he, uh, he calls Ricciardo Ricciardo. Well, that, I believe Ricciardo would be the official... Italian pronunciation and he's an Italian at an Italian team so maybe that's it God what a knob and then he waved his finger we saw the return of the finger yeah I've seen that for a while I mean I was hoping Max would just give the middle finger in return he did something that looked like that but I think it was the Italian the, um, I can't there's no way of describing this on a podcast it's, it's the Italian sort of thumb and two fingers together upwards going yeah I don't know what you call it but it looks a lot more vulgar than Well, he's really picked up on Italian culture since he's been at Ferrari. He's been swearing with his hand gestures, he's been pronouncing things properly, and he's becoming a massive loser. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Morby said, put gravel on the exit of turn one where the grass was. Problem, or problems, if we include Lewis here, solved. Lewis should have got a penalty too. Yes, the safety car nullified his advantage, but if there was gravel, he would have had to come back onto the track at the entry of turn two rather than the exit of turn three. So he did gain an advantage. Max and Seb both deserved theirs too. In fact, Seb effectively swore at the ref. I'm surprised you didn't get a reprimand for that alone. Well, there was rumours, unsubstantiated rumours kicking around that he might do anyway. Yeah, so we're recording this on Monday afternoon and 
yeah, we, there's there's talk that Vettel's going to get a race ban for swearing at Charlie. I can only hope that's true because a race ban's always good for the sport. What did you think about the, uh, the the missed corner shenanigans? So let's start with Lewis first. So the first corner, he locks up, goes wide, cuts across the grass, but looks like he's come out considerably further ahead, doesn't I, get a penalty. I think first corner, first lap shenanigans, they, they're more lenient on, and I think he would have been ahead regardless, but... I think it would have been sensible of him to have backed off a bit because when he when he cut the corner, he was miles ahead. He's just like, when he just slowed down a little bit and was just a bit ahead, would have been better. But on the other hand, at the same time that he was doing that, Rosberg and whoever it was, Verstappen, I think, were also having a, a coming together and, and they went and Rosberg went off the track as well, not as much. And also, pretty much immediately afterwards, it was a safety car and everyone was bunched up anyway, so any advantage he had was probably gone. So... It possibly would have been a bit harsh to give Hamilton a penalty when it's like, well, he didn't get anything out of it anyway. And even yeah. if he, even if he had gained an advantage, Rosberg was busy ballsing up behind him anyway. Exactly, and and unless we start to get to kind of supercomputer, big data style things where the stewards are just like big Hal or whatever that thing's called, Watson. But if you don't give him a penalty, how will he learn? <laughs> <laughs> how will he learn not to go off the track? He had glazed brakes. You know, which is lovely on a Sunday. I had glazed uh, gammon. Richard Stevenson said, FIA hats is the answer. Shame drivers to wear said hats at next race. And Richard helpfully supplies a few suggestions to what should be written on the hats. Potty mouth, moved in braking zone like a cock, couldn't tell which way the track went, etc. I think this is a brilliant idea, but unfortunately unworkable because Nico Rosberg would just wear the wrong hat anyway, so it doesn't matter. Ooh. Oh, hello. Oh, that's, yeah, no, that's good. Finally, thank you for all the emails saying what a good idea the T-shirts were. And thank you to the people so far that have bought them. But it's not just T-shirts that we're selling. Phil? That's right, Chica. We have a range of merch that you can spend your hard-earned money on, uh, as well as regular T-shirts with the FF1 Sake logo on or Stoffel Roffel. You can also get a hoodie. Yes, officer. I can recognise my attacker because he was wearing a Formula 1 hoodie. (laughs) Uh, we've got iPhone cases. Yes, that is my iPhone. I can tell because it's got this attractive logo on it. Uh, and if you're not an iPhone person and you like uh, basically carrying hand grenades around, you can also get a Samsung case. Problem is, our, our cases do melt. <laughs> They've not passed any stringent health and safety What about, Terry, I yep. noticed that you're, uh, you're, you're drinking your coffee out of a glass, which is just madness. Wouldn't you rather have an FF1S mug? Uh, we've already got one sat around the table. Oh! <laughs> Savlon's back out again. Well, how about, and I think this is maybe the greatest crowning glory of my, achieve, of my career so far, is we now can offer you an FF1S duvet cover. Which is funny because I've had a hand-drawn one for the last year <laughs> that I've managed to fill in the yellow line with my own feces. And now we can finally have a real one printed, I'm hoping, with just ink. From that to prints to, to laptop sleeves to uh, a graphic mini dress. You can get them all at ff1s.com slash shop. And also ff1s.com slash shop, shop, shop. And anything uh, uh, that, you, that you give us will go back into sort of the, the running costs of the site. And we are incredibly grateful, genuinely, to uh, everyone that is buying loads of stuff. Thank you very much. Send us a photo of you with your merch. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S. Or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com. If you tweet us a photo of you in your merch, then we will sing you a song. We'll sing. Oh yeah, we will sing you a song. A Formula One song. A Formula One song. Should we give a little snippet of what we could sing? <laughs> ah, mm, ah, 
You're wearing a t-shirt that you bought with your money. I nearly killed a bee with some honey. Formula One is that's what we're talking about. If we were in Canada, we would say a boot. Right, so let's return to the Mexican Grand Prix now. So we'll start off with Mercedes. Now, not a lot or anything happened at the front for most of the race. Hamilton won, Rosberg came second. There's 19 points between them. But I think we need to address the biggest story of the weekend. These two are mates. What? They do look weirdly chummy. Did you not see them afterwards? They were talking to each other in the in the room of awkwardness. It Only because weird. Max Verstappen got booted out and they were like going, what? Do you think going that, on? I wouldn't have thought something relatively minor like that would be enough for them to go, oh, crikey, that's amazing. They're, they're talking to each other. I thought they'd be throwing punches. I and, think, they were, and Nico put the wrong hat on. I thought they were, I thought they were going to start throwing hats at each other again. No, no, I think... I think. Well, I'm going to discuss some of this later on in my state of F1, but I think Nico Rosberg is well and truly playing some mind games here. Oh, yeah. OK, well, we'll hear more about that then. But uh, I, I, I thought, uh, once again, uh, the, the beginning of the race had me absolutely on the edge of my seat. It's like, are they going to get good starts? What's going to happen? And then the first corner was a bit crazy because both of the, both of them went off, and Rosberg and Harry Verstappen was trying to get through, and then everything was fine, and it wasn't very interesting after that. Although I did, I did wonder if they were going to get caught by the Red Bulls at one point, or if Rosberg was going to get caught. Can I say something controversial? Yeah, it's unlike you, Terry. Formula One's been shit this year. Most of the races have been really boring. <laughs> I don't think they have. I've, I've quite enjoyed most of them. I think Even this one I thought was all right. I think they work well in highlight form. But Jensen Button this week said he talks talks about making the races shorter, and I've always been against that. And I'm suddenly thinking, do you know what? They're a bit boring and long. I mean, in motor racing terms, unless you go to like touring cars or something like 20 minutes or half an hour, they're still pretty short compared to like endurance races. I just wish they could go absolutely hardcore balls out for the whole. No, race. we don't want balls out. We've had that before. All right, well, fine. In that case, I'd, I'd like it if they could just drive really hard for the whole race. Okay, it's just. He came second and nothing really... He almost got taken a couple of times and it's not. And it's just... He's going to win the championship, isn't he? He was nowhere near Hamilton. I know. So, it just shows. It's just going to make him winning the championship even more hollow when we all, everyone's going to know. Yeah. It's just flukes it. All right, Ferrari. <laughs> Mexico bought out Vettel's dark side and Charlie Whiting needed a hug after the race. Raikkonen was all right and could have been a lot better if it wasn't for his tyres. Other than the third place fiasco, what did you think of Ferrari's weekend? It was a weird one, because all through practice, they were looking really good, like right up with the Rebels and the Mercedes. And then qualifying came and they were pretty much nowhere. And then somehow they managed to finish, wherever the hell they finished, third slash fourth slash fifth and sixth. It's almost as if they don't really know what they're doing this season. They seem to have got pace, but they just can't seem to deploy it at the right time. Yeah, they just seem to be being rubbish I mean it's, there's no other way of saying it they're just typical Ferrari they're just not getting the hang of it and they're throwing their toys out the pram but it's definitely the car because they were so good in practice and then they were so average think, in qualifying do you think the other teams have meetings and just go look let's all have a slow practice to make Ferrari just think they're doing well and then they'll because Ferrari will, will like puff their chest and be like hey, everyone look we're going to beat you and everyone goes right turn it up Red Bull so the battle for first and second was admittedly one of the most boring things ever. However, the battle for third was excellent. Ricardo had to step aside to let Verstappen with his new tyres through, but then ended up being the man with the prize. Not physically, he didn't get to go and collect it. But this could have been to put a stop to his foul shoe habit, though. 
All the way through the race, I got the impression that Red Bull feel the need to keep Verstappen on a tight leash and worry about what he might get up to if he's not. Do you agree? Well, I mean, you don't let your kids out after dark anyway, so it makes sense. I think this is an interesting race because never has third place changed hands so many times after the race is finished. This was the best bit. But the thing is, we moan about them not having steward inquiries quick enough, and then they've made one too quick. It's bloody marvellous. I've never seen anything like that podium room where someone has had to be basically barred. <laughs> but you, you've had too many, you're out. Don't it's come all, in here. It's sort of like the cycling, the, the sort of Olympic and World Championship cycling events when they're doing time trials. They have a, like a podium room. It's almost like the room of awkwardness, but with like chairs on them where they all sit. And it changes depending. So if, you, if you're first on the road, so you set your time and you're fastest and you sit on the throne. And then as other people come through, if anybody's faster, you get booted out of the room and the other person comes and sit down. I wonder if they should start doing that with F1. They just get everybody in there. And then as the inquiries come through at the end of the race, people get sort of unceremoniously dumped out and told to leave. And I think they should film the, the uh, stewards meetings. I think that's the next thing. Well, they are doing that, aren't they? Are they? I'm sure I heard a, a rumour that they were going to start doing that. Brilliant. Was that the rumour I just started? I might have just made that up. Maybe I just No, I, d- I said it before you, so maybe I said it. In terms of entertainment value, though, a stewards meeting, really? I, I'd watch the hell out of that. Yeah, I think that'd be really interesting. I mean, depending on who the steward is. If it's Nigel Mansell, it'd be amazing. That'd be great. Nigel Mansell's tweets were particularly mental this week. <laughs> what did you think of the bit where Verstappen was behind Ricardo and said that he was like, well, what do I do with his fresh tyres? So I've got I've got a problem here. So we're told now the drivers, you know, they're best in the world, all this kind of stuff. And they, they a lot of them come on the radio just saying, oh, I can't get past this guy. There's no way past. And I wonder, and I'm trying not to be rose-tinted glasses here, but I put a question out on Twitter, which is just to say that do you think that oldie drivers, like whoever your favourite driver is of the past, in the current situation would be able to get past people? Because I feel that, and maybe I'm over-romanticising, it used to be much more psychological and you'd kind of hassle the driver in front to try and get them to make a mistake, be able to bully your way past the driver, much more than now. They just kind of accept the fact they're stuck behind a driver and just give up. Well, let's take Perez and Massa as the most obvious example. Perez, I mean, if that wasn't harassing Massa, I don't know what, what was. He was all over the back of him for yeah, lap after yeah. lap after lap after lap. But the trouble is, I mean, in that case, the Williams has got such a strong engine that on the straights he was getting away and it was getting good traction out the corners and opening up the gap, that even with DRS... So do you think the electric... Fast, the only way would have been to do uh, a Ricardo-style lunge up the inside. But do you think then that's the electric engines that have got such immediate power... No, it's not necessarily no. the engine, because it's not enough to have low-down torque. You've got to be able to put it down, so you've got to have the mechanical engineering to allow the tyres not to slip, basically. Because all the cars have got a similar kind of setup, but some of them are better than better than others at getting traction down on the on the rear wheels. But you think if it was Ayrton Senna behind Massa, he wouldn't have been able to get by? I mean, there's so many variables compared in the, in the 25 years since since Senna was driving. Okay, presumably he's still alive. I mean, if he was still, he'd, be, he'd be in well into his fifties now. Okay, presume at his peak, <laughs> he hasn't had the testing in the modern cars. Okay, okay, all right. Massa is in the nineties, but he's thirty-five, <laughs> driving a car in the nineties. Right. Imagine that. What? What's the question? That was it. I was just, just, okay. it was just an no, exercise. I've, I've imagined it. it's a lovely image. Thanks very much. There you go. Okay, so if we're going to talk about Massa, Williams. Williams are really fast in straight lines, but they can't go around corners. That's pretty much what we assessed from this weekend. But I feel like because of that, they should have done better in Mexico. Well, first, there's some sad news. It's been reported that Frank Williams is in hospital with pneumonia. So it's 
it's going to be a pretty tough Brazilian Grand Prix because they're bound to be shit again, and that's sad. We'll get well soon, Frank. Genuinely. Yeah, great guy. I, I interviewed him a few years ago. He was a really nice bloke, like surprisingly nice considering his, his a bit of a fearsome reputation. But he was lovely. He, Quite old school. I saw an advert in the Guardian to a job advert to be his care assistant, and. Uh, Oh, it, you should totally do that. Well, it had to be a man. It actually <sighs> said, this is exempt from equal opportunities. Is that allowed? There might be reasons in the same way that you, you're not supposed to have male police officers conducting strip searches of women or something like that. They exactly the same. If, if it involves sort of helping him go to the loo or getting dressed and stuff, then I would imagine that. Why are we talking about this? This is, this is very <laughs> demeaning to Sir Frank, who is a leading figure in F1 history. Point is, is that if the Williams team were doing anything noteworthy, we'd be talking about that. So it's their fault. Force India. Okay, so if only we had faster cars, which is not the first time they've thought that, but I'm pretty sure that was the only thing going through the Force India's heads this weekend. Perez did a great drive, but couldn't get past Massa, as we said, and Hulkenberg had one of the best starts and managed to make Raikkonen sweat on tyres that were nearly as old as Kimi himself. What did you think of them this weekend? Pretty good again, Hulkenberg particularly. Oh, I thought they were pretty disappointing because all I saw was Perez stuck behind I mean, uh, Williams <laughs> and Hulkenberg yes. spinning. Well, Hulkenberg's wasn't, the spin wasn't his fault. But um, Boo-hoo! Still spanned, didn't he? Actually, having said that, I'm literally at the moment reading Mark Hughes' report on motorsport and he says that uh, Hulk did deliberately spin the car. Deliberately and maliciously. He to, spent, avoid, he's, to he, avoid contact. He's not driving for a full year next year. He's just spinning around. Yeah, maybe they've just lost interest. When the national anthem was going on, did you see Perez? He was a different man. He had his hand on his heart, staring off into the distance. That's particularly impressive considering the national anthem at the Mexican Grand Prix was one of the worst renditions of a national anthem I've ever heard. It started off with a bloke, uh, what looked like a trumpet, but sounded like a kazoo. <laughs> and then it was just Mexico's worst child choir <laughs> murdering the Mexican national anthem. And yeah, every, I mean, fair play to everybody in the crowd and all the assembled dignitaries. They were sort of, yeah, hands on the chest and giving all the pomp and circumstance, but it was absolutely diabolical. Right, McLaren. So, frustrating and disheartening are ways to describe McLaren's weekend, or fucking pissing off. Their big achievement is that they both hassled Palmer. Palmer. Alonso summed it up well when the team told him to push. So McLaren said, push, push. Terry, what did Alonso say? I've been pushing this for 15 laps in traffic. You I'm so glad that you spent all that time in Central America brushing up on your Spanish. I don't know why every every meal I got was just a yellow lump. Um, so was it bad luck? I don't understand McLaren this year because some races they do all right, and then other races they're diabolical. And it's like, what's what is their actual level? I think their level is just above diabolical, and a little bit of bad luck will send them a long way back, and a little bit of good luck will send them a long way forward. Hey. Hey. Another Grand Prix where Jesus and his pals definitely went on the side of the Hayes team. Qualifying was disappointing. Gutierrez, in front of 150 friends and family, he said that, was unlucky with the collision with Verline and Ericsson at the beginning and it ruined his day. Grosjean couldn't make up his mind which strategy to go for. In the end, what he chose didn't work. The question I kept asking myself all day is, do you really think he had 150 friends coming to watch? Because I'd struggled to pull together 15. 
Well, um, I think it depends on what's to offer. If you can get free tickets for the Grand Prix, I think you'll find a lot of people yeah. will come out and go, oh, yeah, Esteban. Acquaintances coming out the Yeah, woodwork. yeah, yeah. Oh, my cousin knows Esteban Gutierrez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, however, he was like, um, here's an invite to the launch of my new country and western album, Young Real Nerve, <laughs> I think that 150 would dwindle. Rano, <laughs> I didn't really see what Magnuson got up to because I was too busy being impressed by the guy that his team have just given the boot. Despite the fact he started at the back and had ancient tyres, he was hassling Ericsson and holding off the McLarens until the end. Do you reckon the Renaults are having any regrets? No. He, he cracked his chassis, bless him, so he couldn't do qualifying, old Palmer. And uh, Eddie Jordan on the telly was very angry about that. He was like, in my day, we'd have just gaffer taped it up and we'd have just gone out there. And it just made me think, do you know what? I think that's what they should have done. That, I would, I'd have had some respect for Palmer if he'd have gone, don't worry guys, I'm going to go out with this. And instead he just went, oh, it's a bit annoying. Just MacGyvered the whole thing yeah. and gone out and won the race. Why not? That's what Formula 1 used to be. <laughs> MacGyver. Gaffer. Okay, Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso were crap. They were pushing on the track, had dodgy brakes and got penalties. Why were they so bad? <sighs> Mexican food. Low, just, low self-esteem. They just had a bunch of dodgy fish tacos and they were just really... <laughs> craving to finish the race quickly okay Manor so Manor another team we've got nothing to say about so I've got a game for you <laughs> yeah so it's a geographical and logistical quiz called oh my favourite where are your manners <laughs> where did Ocon make his F1 debut oh now Silverstone young drivers test oh do you mean yeah race as, debut or as a race debut oh uh, Wasn't it Australia this year? No. Oh no! no I'm going to go season. for. I'm going to go for Canada. Of course, yeah. It was Britain. Belgium. <sighs> so no points there. Began with a B though. In this race, which lap did Vettel lap Ocon? Uh, Forty-four. Thirty. Terry wins. It was sixty-six. Oh, and numerically symmetrical. Which nationality is Pascal Verline from? Mauritius slash Germany. Germany officially. Mauritius slash Germany, oh. well done. That's so it's one all. So it all comes down to the bonus question. So the first track for Manor's Spotify playlist was the Chainsmokers and Closer. Just to explain, um, on their website, Manor make a playlist, Spotify playlist for each Grand Prix. So which Grand Prix was this playlist made for? Oh, and so what was the first track? The Chainsmokers, Closer. Well, I'm, I'm going to go for, logistically here, I'm going to go for some lateral thinking. So if it's the Chainsmokers, so you've got the Chain, which is the obviously the Formula 1 song, so I'm going to guess it was a Formula 1 race, and Closer, which race are Manor likely to do well at? And I think Monaco is their best race they've ever had, so I'm going to go for Monaco. No, you're both wrong, it was Japan, so... That completes the game. Not sure if we'll see that one again. For <laughs> where are your manners? Okay, Salber, anything to say about these reprobates? Oh, the problem with doing podcasts this far through the season is that we know what all the teams are basically like, and now we know that Salber are basically, they're just nothing. They're like a bee dying in its own honey. <laughs> There's no point. Why do they spend that much money on it? Because they know they're never, probably never going to get any higher well than... now it's it's about the fact that they've got funding for next year so they've kind of got to push through this All year shitty engines from what we understand yeah well you know but I mean the, the sample of one races and they could do again so yeah they'll, they'll keep going they've been in F1 for oh, 20 odd years 
So, yeah, it's good that they keep going on, but it's a bit of a lost cause this year. Right, well, that brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. Thank you very much. Okay, now the standings for the Drivers' Championship are all what I think all the drivers' messages to Charlie would have been this weekend. So, in first place, Nico Rosberg. Uh, Hola, Charlie, I'm on Mexico. I hope you received the flowers and the gifts I sent you for your children. You know, lovely stuff. In second place, Charlie, I want some tacos, says Lewis Hamilton, with 330 points. Only 19 points in it. Ooh! In third place, let me see your feet, Charlie. That's uh, Ricardo with his fetish. Um, Fourth place, we all know it. We all know it's coming. Fuck you, Charlie. It's (laughs) Sebastian Vettel. Fifth place, Charlie says, always tell your mummy before you go off out somewhere. (laughs) And in sixth place is uh, Max Verstappen with, I'm too young to know what Charlie says is. And seventh place, Charlie, move the cocky Williams, I'm famous here. (laughs) In eighth place, little bit of bass, little bit of grass, which is also from Charlie Says, which I had a lot of fun listening to this morning, some old Prodigy records, if you're not aware (laughs) what the hell I'm talking about. Ninth place, Charlie, Kimmy spun me right round like a record playing in tribute to Pete Burns this week. Uh... Who'd have thought that uh, Nico Hulkenberg was such a uh, a fan? 10th place, Charlie, I've had the most entertaining messages, don't I? That's Alonso getting annoyed. 11th place, Charlie, I'm retiring, just saying, get your hand in your pocket. 12th place, it's Carlos, not Charlie. Oh, he's not speaking to me. Fuck you, Sebastian. 13th, oh, what have you done with the bricks, Charlie? 14th, tell Charlie to fucking find fucking Vettel. That's because getting annoyed. 15th, Charlie, just remember, I'm on holiday next year. It's a sabbatical. 16th, what have I fucking done, Charlie? What have I done with my life? 17th place is Stoffel Ruffle. Buy the t-shirt. 18th, Charlie, have some Charlie. Don't know who that is anymore. 19th, Charlie, I'm not feeling well. I think I've cracked my chassis. <laughs> and the Constructors' Championship. Now, because we're recording this so soon after the race, it's not up to my normal quality. So I've gone with... Uh, oh, this is weak. I've gone for... Uh, <laughs> Just whilst I'm sitting here thinking of the main colour of each car. So, it'll be quick. So, the order of the construction Championship is grey, blue, red, orange, white, black, can't remember, white-ish, yellow, blue and orange. That brings us to the State of F1 with Terry Saunders again. Lewis Hamilton got the pole this weekend. He also won the race, but I'm not sure you think that if you saw Nico Rosberg strutting about like he owned the place. Every opportunity, he stood in the middle of the group. On the walks of the podium, he went first, and even accidentally on purpose wore the first place cap in the room of awkwardness. Was this a mistake? Who knows, but when told, he mocked cheerily took it off, looked at it twice, then turned to the camera. After last year's hat gate, he didn't pass or throw the hat at Lewis, he just put it down. But his multilingual hair had sweated in it, and now Lewis had to wear his sloppy seconds first place cap. Why is this relevant? Well, their demeanour in the room was telling. Lewis had clearly noticed that Nico had his hat on because he had no hat to wear, and instead he did his hair a lot. When Nico put his hat down, Lewis took ages to pick it back up. This is classic alpha male territory. Nico is pissed all over the room and is trying to rub Lewis's face in it, despite Lewis winning the race. I therefore contend that Nico Rosberg is having motivational coaches, that some guy with white teeth is telling Nico how great he is, helping him to sleep at night with subliminal messages. Do you notice how he's always wearing headphones when he's walking around the paddock now, Nico Rosberg? He's just listening to kind of, Nico, you're the best. You're great. You're better than Lewis. Don't worry about results. Even the way he cheerily keeps saying that Lewis is better than him, as though somewhere his humility is a strength. This, make no mistake, is bad for F1. It's terrible for F1. We don't want drivers being well-adjusted and artificially confident. When Button won the championship, part of the joys of the season was seeing him say he wasn't feeling the pressure whilst the dark patch grew on his overalls. (laughs) 
Vettel threatening to punch everyone this week and Lewis blaming UFOs for his cars blowing up is what makes the sport great. Roman Grosjean might have settled down a lot since he saw his shrink, but his starts aren't as fun. <laughs> sport psychology is as dangerous and an anathema to Formula 1 as active suspension, blown diffusers and Ralph Schumacher. But don't worry, I have a solution. Volunteer pokers. Like stewards, they'd be regulated by the FIA and each driver is assigned a poker over the race weekend. They have access to team radio, the paddock areas and even sleeping quarters. And their job is just to needle the drivers, plant seeds of doubt and make them fuck up. Oh, I've heard that Lewis says you're needy. Uh, yeah, Sebastian, that lap was okay. I'm sure you did your best. Or no, Kimmy, everyone still thinks the ice cream thing is a really funny thing. That was seven years ago, wasn't it? And this will stop the serenity in Formula 1. Like the cars need more breakdowns, so should the drivers. Everyone shouldn't be totally safe in any way. So you're advocating more mental stress? Only for well-paid drivers. Wow. I'm not saying they should go down to the mechanics. Pokers shouldn't be allowed to poke. Maybe all the mind coaches should go to the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You should have supremely big mechanics sort of stomping around the garage, pushing the drivers out of the way. Yeah, I mean, that would really help. That would help my <laughs> idea, because then the drivers would just feel more fragile. Like, why are they all so confident? They're right, on half my money. start bigging up the mechanics more. Yeah, yeah. Mechanics are great. Hey, mechanics. You guys are awesome. So that's it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about what I've got coming up this week. You know, you know, last week I drove McLarens and you know, I had to drive a lot of stuff. This week I'm going to the Eurobus Expo, which is the <laughs> finest trade show of the bus and coach industry. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So I'll see you guys at the NEC. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about something I watched this morning, which is that Red Bull have done a documentary on the history of the pit stop, which is a lot of fun. And it involves some old drunk mechanics from the 80s in a pub going, I reckon I could do a pit stop as quick as they could now. Yeah, let me have a go. Go on. There was that. Right, Frank, come down. We love you, mechanics. We'll be back next time for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Until then, please leave us a review on iTunes so others can hear that we're not totally awful. Five stars would be great, but you know, whatever you feel like. Tell your friends about the show. Warn your family about the excessive amount of swearing. Fuck you, Chica. Help us find more listeners. I've been Chica Ayers. Goodbye. Everyoneis.com slash shop shop shop. Sports Social Podcast Network.